0: I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. Two on 0. Wiley Great save by Anderson. Riley stayed onside. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal! beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. High into the net. Scores. He took fast down. And his shot trapped in the corner. All right, here we go. Episode 33 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod, at Net, And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. March's biggest tournament is finally here, and we don't know who will be cutting down the nets at the end, but we do know there will be no shortage of madness. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting customers in the center of the action. Bet $4 on an underdog, win $256. If they win, it's that simple. Turning $4 into $256 is 64 to 1 odds. Every dollar you bet could turn into $64. Pick one of the many select college basketball underdogs for your shot at winning $256. All it takes is one $4 bet. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds on the Maple Leafs, including promotions on golf hockey and so much more it's also safe secure and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience what do we want you to do download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn four dollars into 256 dollars if the underdog of your choosing pulls off the uns- upset that's code thpn to turn four dollars into 256 dollars for a limited time only at draftkings sportsbook must be 21 or older in new jersey indiana and pennsylvania only new customers only restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana
1: 1-800-9 with it BMac. how you doing brother Kenny, what's up, dude? Good to hear from you. We can dedicate this episode to a former Leafs winger, because I feel like the last few have been solely goalies. But Bates Pataglia, former number 33 for the Maple Leafs, also was on one of the best third lines the Maple Leafs ever tossed together, that being Bates Pataglia, Boyd Devereaux, and John Pohl back in 06-07. He
0: was a member of uh, one of my other favorite line names in Carolina, the BBC line. Which obviously BBC stands for something else, which we shan't get into. But I feel like it would not be necessarily appropriate these days to be calling that line. But that was on the actually those that, that was the Carolina team that knocked off the Maple Leafs in the Eastern Conference Finals back in the day to go on the Cup run.
1: That would have been old too. Jeff
0: O'Neill on the squad.
1: Yes, sir. Hey, man. You know what? the The mannequins at Leafs practice yesterday had a, a bit of a tough start. I hope they're taking a much needed maintenance day today. I was happy to see.
0: That the mannequins were at practice and that they didn't get picked up off the waiver wire by Jimmy
1: Benning they were close close to though <laughs> yeah they, I mean they at able this point Vancouver's picking up anything so maybe a mannequin for their bottom six might be just what they need yeah Toronto should just send a bag of pucks their way too give them uh, give them
0: some help at practice maybe they can uh they can turn things around hey that like to their credit though I know that we'll get into the Leafs this second year but they have been playing well They've turned it around a little bit. The beginning of the year was so awful for them, but they aren't definitively in the basement anymore. At least they're sniffing around 5th place at this point. So, good for the Canucks on uh, turning around what was a really lost season and now at least they're um, they're relevant at the moment. So, remains to be seen if they can put enough string together enough wins down the stretch here to get into the playoff picture, but certainly it's uh, been an impressive turnaround for that group after we saw what they were up to earlier in the season, largely based off the play of their goaltender, Thatcher Demko. Um, so Wayne Simmons draws in on the top line at Leafs practice this morning. What do you make of Simmons joining Matthews and Marner on the top, top forward unit?
1: I love this, man. I think they need to roll with this trio steadily and in – through the playoffs and I believe I've made this example before on a previous pod but remember back in 2010 when they had Dustin Bufflin big buff with Kane and Taves he was definitely on the top line but it just immediately added that much more grit to that line to an already highly skilled line and Simmons also has shown this year that he can still play like he did eight years ago when he was just putting up 40 plus points with the Philadelphia Flyers so I like it much better Kenny than Joe Thornton being on the first line. And this also allows Zach Hyman, who has been able to be inserted into any line this year and thrive. So right now, I think, according to Christian Shelton, at least practice today, is on the fourth line. I think he can be inserted anywhere. Right now, it's the fourth line, but it makes way for Wayne Simmons to be reunited with Marner and Matthews, which they have done before in Calgary right. back in January, and it worked. So
0: It'll be interesting to see... What Simmons is able to bring to that group. Now, if he starts playing at the level that he was playing at earlier in the season, obviously he's going to be a formidable addition. You know, he's just your prototypical power forward who can do some things that Matthews and Marner, or maybe he's willing to do some things that Matthews and Marner aren't necessarily willing to do. You know, going into the corners, just banging bodies, make it tough on the opposing defensemen. So it'll be interesting to see how the chemistry works. Also, his net front presence. I feel like, can be valuable for that line. He basically just goes to the front of the net and just tries to deflect anything that's coming at him. Um, And certainly it's been noted that Marner. Well, Marner's trying to shoot more, and hopefully if Matthew's wrist gets healthy, he's been a little bit stone cold lately, but if he can come back off that wrist injury, I think Simmons being on that line could be pretty helpful for that group. Now, basically, Sheldon Keefe, it just seems like, doesn't want to put Zach Hyman on either of those top two forward units. He wants to put Hyman on either the third line or the fourth line to balance out the bottom six, give them a, a little bit more, a little bit more scoring punch. And the way that he's been playing this year, then he can provide that certainly. He's uh played with much more finesse, much more finish this season, and just tr- he's trying to balance out this group a little bit to get some, you know, just some more goals out of the third and fourth line, which have been uh, kind of lackluster like, comparatively to the top six for this team this year.
1: Yeah, and it, and it's obviously not a knock on Zach Hyman's play. It's like, you're going to get demoted. It's No, we need to reinvigorate. If anything, reinvigorate it's cre- credence it's, it's cre- to, yeah, re- with the way he's been playing. Yeah, we have to reinvigorate this bottom six. Obviously, VC gets picked up by the Knucks. Travis Boyd gets picked up off the Knucks. You know, there goes a bit of your production and impact in the bottom six. They weren't huge contributors, but still, it, it leaves a, a hole. And this is where Hyman should be when it comes down to it.
0: I agree. And uh, another thing to know at least practice is kind of getting a little bit depleted in the goaltending section here was uh, your boy, Ian Scott, Michael Hutchinson, Scotty. and Jack Campbell, the pra- the goalies at practice today. So obviously the goaltending depth is going to be an issue. Sheldon Keefe after the game the other night, actually, when asked who was going to get the start on Thursday was basically like, you know, whoever's healthy. Like, I don't know who's going to be healthy down the stretch here. So he was saying that even after Jack Campbell's shutout. And that's been a big issue for this team this year. It's been the health of the netminders. And they're certainly going to need Frederick Anderson and Jack Campbell to be, both of them, to be healthy if they're going to make a run down the stretch here.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, relating to the Battle of Ontario, the seventh meeting this season between Ottawa and Toronto, three wins, three losses for Toronto against Ottawa this year and they're also dealing with some injuries in their goalie depth as well it seems like every day it seems to be getting more depleted they they lost Hogberg they lost Murray they lost who is the who's the young DeCord excuse me Joey DeCord he's injured so now they're running with Gustafson and uh, Anton Forsberg thank you I'm slipping up but no, no worries. They're, they're thinning out to too, man.
0: Thoughts this yeah. morning, actually, and like this guy's just been a suitcase this year, Forsberg. Yeah. Just c- consistently clearing waivers and just traveling all over the place.
1: Yeah, but man, they're in a similar situation, so it's really no excuse tomorrow for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Really, no excuse.
0: No, and Ottawa's had their number. You know, we cited on the last pod that for whatever reason the Senators have been really good against. The Canadiens, they've been good against the Maple Leafs, and they've been good against the Flames. Against the other teams in the division, not so much. But this is a must-have for Toronto at this point. You can't keep dropping these games to Ottawa. I don't think that this team has been playing a bad brand of hockey throughout this stretch where they've been losing a number of the contests. But certainly, at at one point, you have to turn it around and beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Toronto's a better team than Ottawa, and they need to start accruing some points, They can start to get some separation in the standings now because, as we noted before, the Winnipeg Jets are right on the bumper. I believe the uh, Edmonton Oilers are tied with the Leafs if they haven't taken the lead in the North Division despite playing more games than Toronto. So take that as you will. But it's getting really clustered up at the top of the division, whereas uh, just a couple weeks ago,
1: Toronto, was, it seems, 10 points clear. And we're probably going to get another chance to see Alex Galchenyuk on the second line with John Tavares and William Nylander. He really made an immediate spark. And you know he gets a secondary assist in, in his first game. I think this is just the—I know it sounds sappy to say this is this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning for him in his new role. And I think if he continues to have consistent line mates and good line mates in Tavares and Nylander, and they're upping their play, it's only going to bode well for Galchenyuk. This could this could be a situation where you know he gets X amount of games under his belt and come postseason time he can be that sneaky sneaky player that gets a clutch clutch goal maybe maybe it's too much but we've seen it we've seen it done before where players just you know that old saying that you, you earn your paycheck in the regular season and then you earn your reputation in the playoffs and that could be something Galchenyuk could fall under
0: I heard Pierre Lebrun talking about this player the other day and basically what he said was he gives the Leafs a lot of credit for picking up Galchenyuk but then putting him in his natural habitat, which is on a top line in a scoring role with other talented players who he's going to be able to distribute the puck to and who are going to be able to distribute the puck to him. Part of the reason why I think this player has struggled so much over the last little while has been that he's been being asked to play in an environment that is natural, the natural way they plays the game. You know, he does, he's not a natural fit on a third line or a fourth line or in a checking role. He needs to be playing with other skilled players to emphasize the skill set that he has himself. So if he can get comfortable playing with Tavares and Nylander, certainly that could address a need that the Toronto Maple Leafs have, which is trying to find some more scoring talent up front to subsidize the left side of the lineup with Austin Matthews and John Tavares.
1: Absolutely, and, and one final note to you on the goaltending situation. And this kind of is a, a shot at, at maybe coaches for not being specific. And also for the sake of a lot of fantasy owners too. I think, for, for the Leafs especially, they, they have been very wishy-washy with injuries this year. Disclose it properly, reveal the injury properly, say what it is. The day-to-day is is garbage. It's like, yeah, it's a lingering, nagging thing, but it should be fine. Just let us know if it's long-term or not. Because day-to-day right now is is what Anderson is listed at. We could, we could wake up tomorrow. Right now, it's 99% Jack Campbell's going to start tomorrow. Right. we we'll wake up tomorrow, 4 p.m. before puck drop. Oh, no, Anderson's good to go. He tweaked some, but he's been nursing it for the last four days. He's good to go. Why don't they just say what it is? It's just been so
0: vague. This is just a culture thing, and I think it's uh, you see it across all major sports leagues. I think probably the most transparent is the NFL. They're yes. the most transparent with injuries. They basically are like, yeah, this guy's got you know a left ankle sprain. He's expected back in two to three weeks. The timelines are usually pretty realistic in that league. I find um, the NBA like even look at the Raptors earlier this year. OG Anunoby went out with the hamstring, I believe. He was basically two day to day for you know eleven games. He missed eleven games, ten or eleven games with the day to day injury. So certainly that seems like it's more week to week. Day to day, so I can understand and just say the that frustration,
1: yeah. Babcock yeah. was the king of that, remember? Oh, it's day to day, hockey
0: in general, I think, is just the upper body, lower body, and we're not going to say <sighs> anything like besides that.
1: It's and just, it's, uh, I understand the frustration,
0: yeah. but I, I, it hasn't changed to this point after you know, I don't know, the last 50 years where the media coverage has been uh ramped up steadily to the point that we're out now right yeah. now and I don't expect it to change anytime soon
1: but this is me defending fantasy owners and also reporters and media personnel trying to get their job done and have a job the next day instead of just reporting on vague injuries so it's yeah. up to the coaches it's up to the league to be more clear about this fair point
0: Montreal has run into some COVID problems of their own. Obviously, the game the other night against the Oilers postponed, but now it looks like they're going to have a total of three games postponed in total, at least to this point. The second against the Oilers, and then the third was against the Senators, I believe, upcoming. Um, this was basically a matter of time. We had discussed this, you know, in, up to this point, they've been having all sorts of issues south of the border with NHL teams having outbreaks all over the place. Um, the North Division has been pretty free and clear of this to this point. So we shouldn't really be surprised that we're starting to see the first couple uh, patches pop up here at this point in the season.
1: Yeah, just quickly, I think it's just a small victory because that was the first postponement in the Scotia North. So yeah. the league and the players have done exceptionally well in terms of you know trying to get through protocol and testing and, and play games effectively. So this is a small, small win if you think about it.
0: I think the you touched on something that I would just like to elaborate on quickly before we move on. The players deserve a ton of credit. Yes. For the way that this season has been going and the fact that especially north of the border it hasn't been interrupted at all. Because these guys are basically being asked, you know, not to hang out with their teammates outside of the rink. They're being asked not to go to dinner like when they're on the road just to go back to their hotel rooms and not do anything. And that's so difficult. Like, a lot of them are away from their families. They're saying, you know, you can't really have any sort of contact with anybody on the outside where you're putting yourself and the team in jeopardy. It's such a big ask of these players. And they've done a tremendous job to this point in the year to keep the outbreak quelled. And I think they deserve a ton of credit for that. What do you make of this whole Tim Peel situation that's blowing up on social media this morning? I'll give the listeners a quick recap if they didn't see it. But basically... This guy was a referee in the Nashville-Detroit game, I believe, the other night. And a hot mic caught him going into break, basically saying that he oh, was he was going to call a penalty on the Predators because it was just that point in the game and he'd been trying to call one on them for a while. Um, it's kind of taken a little bit out of context, I think, because you just got a little bit of the snippet. But the NHL Twitter has been blowing up. This morning, basically calling for this guy's head, and he was the sacrificial lamb as the NHL
1: relieved him of his duties this morning. I feel bad for him, man. It's not like he swore, and like, (laughs) sure, he made a stupid mistake, but like, whenever someone uses like a derogatory term or swears, like, see ya later, he made a mistake. He had a hot mic, and it's an easy move from the league because, according to Steve Simmons, he's supposed to retire in a few months anyway,
0: right? Yeah. So that's what I saw. I saw that same tweet from Steve Simmons. And basically my thought process then is what, like, what does it even matter? then? I know you're basically firing him and like showing him out the back door when he was already on his horse riding into the sunset. And it's basically like, all right, yeah, you know, don't take the extra 10 skates this year. Just hang them up and uh you're done. Call it a career buddy.
1: But, well, I might if as well,
0: sorry on that trajectory already. It's like, well, what the hell?
1: Exactly. I might as well just, let this tweet serve as my tweet of the day from steve simmons at simmons steve it was easy and convenient for the nhl to fire referee tim Peel. he was retiring a month from now what he said about a makeup call is what all of us who watch the game have been thinking forever and it's true because whenever we watching those games it's like blown call and then another call is made it's like you know you th- at least not many are thinking in their head like oh we made that call because he blew the other call he wants to offset it right like You made a mistake. I I think people need to relax and give this guy a break. Yeah,
0: they do need to (laughs) relax. And also, I don't know how many people were actually watching the Preds, you know, Red Wings game and saw everything, the way that everything went down. I certainly wasn't. So I don't really know the context. I heard the commentary, but I didn't have a feel on the flow in the game. I didn't have a feel on if Nashville had gotten away with a couple and they were kind of like, all right, like, you know, we missed a couple on the Preds, so we got to get them on one now. Um, I don't know what the context was, so I think everybody needs to chill out a little bit. Everybody's reacting (laughs) and just just like so, so it just gets blown so out of proportion. Anybody that kind of speaks out just like, well, just getting ostracized by the NHL fan base, basically. I don't know. it, It just seems like a gross overreaction and something that we're certainly geared towards. I actually saw one picture that explained it pretty well and it basically was an axis and when the the middle was a zero zero and then like the trajectory was the amount of penalties that are called based on the lead for the home team or the away team and basically like the more the team that got the most calls was the home team if they were down by like three goals or more like the penalties they were getting you know 30 to 40 percent more penalty calls than the away team in the same situation so it's a it's a something that's happened forever in the sport you know whether you like it don't like it whatever I don't think it's going to change anytime soon uh, I'm kind of in the camp with Ray Ferraro just call the rule book and if you see an infraction call it but it, it seems like this has been happening forever
1: of the conference final like I know goodness. but I think
0: I think that's why people are upset though is because how do you know that's not going to happen in game six of the conference final It's the same thing with like the offsides chatter that everybody talks about when uh, a guy's, you know, an inch offsides and they go back and review it. It's like it's fine when it's in game 32 of the regular season and you're playing a West Coast team that you only see twice a year. So it's not going to really influence the points in the standings if you end up losing the game because of it. But what happens if it's in, you know, game two of the Stanley Cup final and the guy's, you know, offside by an inch and then they hold it in the zone for 90 seconds, get a goal that's the. Go-ahead goal or something, and then they end up calling it back because you know two minutes before
1: the play entered the zone off sides. Fair enough, but the magnitude of the game tightens up the officiating. I mean, this is a, this is two teams that are not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, in Nashville, that's, and that's also
0: the absurd part about it. That everybody's getting pissed off about a ref saying something in a game between Nashville and Detroit. Ultimately,
1: yeah. that's 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 the case.
0: He's just the scapegoat. Uh, Austin yeah. Watson out for four to six weeks. For Ottawa, um, tough break for the Sens as this is one of those utility guys who uh, is a veteran in their lineup and really goes to the hard area of the ice and really emphasizes the style of play that Ottawa is trying to emulate this season.
1: Yeah, and speaking of the Predators, he was great for the Preds in their Cup run in twenty seventeen against the Penguins. So he, he was great for their bottom six. Had a lot of sandpaper and grit to their to their bottom six forward core, and it's a bit it's a big loss. Nate McKinnon.
0: Scoring number 200, congratulations to Nate the Great. On certainly was uh, a historic milestone, but probably many more to come in his very young career. Congrats, Nate dog. 200. My goodness. Elliot Friedman on 31 Thoughts Podcast was wondering this. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. It's speaking of the Preds, actually. We may as well just have called this around Nashville. For this segment because everybody, every story seems to be making its way back there around the Preds um, Matthias Eckholm has been rumored to be available on the trade market but Friedman was wondering this morning about Ryan Ellis and whether or not teams would be more willing to make a trade for Ellis if he was made available and whether or not people would be knocking on the door what do you make of Friedman's com- comments about Ellis to be clear he hasn't he's not doesn't have any inside information or anything like that. He was basically just floating this one to see what see what the reaction was.
1: Well, relating it to the buds, I don't like the term. I don't like that he's 30 and he's going to be 37 by the time that contract is up. It's also just north of 6 mil. Don't think it fits for the Leafs.
0: I don't think it fits for Toronto either at all. Like the money doesn't fit. I also think that the preds are more likely to try to move Ekholm Based on the fact that he's going to be a UFA at the end of this year, I think they kind of like the cost certainty in Ellis and Yossi as being the two studs on their back end for the long term. Uh, the only reason that you don't try to bring back Eckholm is because basically you have Yossi at nine, you have Ellis at six and change, so that's 15. Basically, you're going to sign Eckholm on the open market, he'll probably get five plus, like six six million dollar range, right? So... If you try to sign him, if you're Nashville, basically you have $20 bucks tied up in your top three defensemen, which is too much money, especially when you look at the fact that they haven't been able to put the puck in the back of the net and their two starting centers or their two top centers in Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson have combined for six goals this season. You know who has more goals than that? Jason Spezza. You know what Jason Spezza gets paid? 700 k You know what Duchesne and Johansson's cap it is? $16 million combined, and they have six goals on the year.
1: That was gonna be my tweet of the day as well. Secondary. I know. I was gonna give you a shout out. I don't think we've ever scrolled through our Twitter profiles to select a tweet of the day. Is is that legal?
0: Can we select our own? I guess we can make whatever rules we want. But
1: yeah. All
0: right. I'm gonna go from Daniel Michon at SN Michon. Trying to buy a new mattress has got to be the top five most stressful purchases. I've read seven million reviews and asked every single friend. Labored over what I have. What I even want in the first place, and all this for what? The same half-ass sleep I currently get. (laughs) I can relate with you, Danielle.
1: Seven hours, six hours
0: sleeps. Man, it's like you just want to go for one of the Endies or the Caspers. You know, you see those advertisements in a prior life all the time on the TTC when you'd be riding. You know, they got a million five stars reviews, but then you go and look up, look a little deeper, and they say the mattresses that show up in a box with no real support. Aren't really good for your back health long term, so I can sympathize with her position. I've been poking around for a new mattress myself, based off the fact that my dog is getting enormous and she likes to kind of snuggle up between my partner and I, and it just gets a little uh, gets a little tight for comfort sometimes.
1: So need to need to upgrade
0: to like the California
1: King size bed so that everybody can sprawl out and have enough room. I'm pretty happy with my mattress, but I will say like the sleeping it has been like kind of sporadic off and on but i've been really crushing those midday naps the the 20 minuteer man those are key i am a big midday nap guy it's great like and don't ever think you're being lazy it's just it rejuvenates the like yourself for the rest of the day especially if you work nights it's yeah you great. take the i take
0: the saturday afternoon nap every week oh yeah cuz i like, do the radio show in the morning i get home around you know 12 1 o'clock just kill it for like an hour and a half, two hours. And then I go to my other job just feeling super refreshed. My dog, as you can see in the background, is also a big fan of the midday nap. Got me sitting at a bar on the inside, waiting for my ride on the outside. She stole my heart in the trailer park, so I jacked the keys to her fucking Crash that piece of shit Then guess it was meant to be is misery So much the next cop series I am a danger I All right, As we've talked about before You're the one who likes The day drinks And or morning drinks So who you got At the bar this week?
1: I'm gonna stick with the raps I'm going with Pascal Siakam mean was just find 50k For that little altercation With his head coach Nick Nurse. I wonder what he said. It was probably really bad if you're going to get like 50K. Like you usually see like 20K plus, but man, he must have said something pretty vile. Okay, to, Shams to
0: Shams reported that though. I'm going to fact check you on this. Sources close to Siakam and TSN's Raptor reporter, Josh Lewenberg, suggested that Siakam wasn't actually fined by the organization and they aren't sure where the report from Shams came from. Um, so it remains to be seen if that's actually the case. But according to our Raptors reporter, he is disputing that claim that Siakam actually did get fined fifty grand. Having said that, okay. obviously was he did the other night after getting benched for the whole fourth quarter against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and has, certainly hasn't been performing up to expectations to this point in the year. Especially considering this is the first year where he's getting paid the uh, what, do they, what do they call it the ultra, mega max.
1: He's making what thirty mil a year. He's supposed to be the the, the team's ultra max player. I, I
0: forget what they call it in basketball. What a disaster! Super max, the super max deal. I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Hero, who could be enjoying his last pint at the Miami equivalent of the library bar because he's the player that's rumored to be coming back in the trade for Kyle Lowry if they can iron out the details, uh, if they end up shipping Lowry out of town before Thursday's NBA trade deadline. There's a good chance that the trade could be made by the time that this episode airs. We're recording this on Wednesday, March 24th. It will drop tomorrow on Thursday. It's hard. It certainly seems like the Raptors are going to be active at the trade deadline. Adrian Wojnarowski earlier this week suggested that the Raptors were going to be the team that was dictating the market based off the players they have and the availability that's... They could send them out as rentals basically
1: yes sir it's actually a big night at the harbor 60 steakhouse so i'm pumped are you, are you buzzing over there i'm buzzing over there tonight with the folks it won't be oh, the library goodness. bar but it's harbor 60
0: i'll see you there what time's the reservation
1: 7 p.m buddy we got an 7 extra
0: seat for you all right buddy i'm looking forward to it you know i love a good ribeye and some caber, cabernet sauvignon yeah yeah maybe a yeah, maybe nice paper plane pre-dinner cocktail you know i like to sneak one of those and thank you for listening to this episode of leafs pod on the hockey podcast network follow us on twitter at ken Stapon, at b mccarthy 95 at leafs at hockey pod and we'll catch you next time